welcome, welcome, welcome back to Forward Pressing episode 51. 51. We, that means one over 50. We made it. One more one more week and it's been a year. How are we doing, Yannis? Doing good. We actually started, I think the, I saw the on Spotify wrapped because I managed to get a Spotify wrap. I think it says January 8th is our first episode. We're coming up. We're coming close. Because I know we, I think we skipped a, a week or two, right? So it'll be a year in uh, like three weeks something like that yeah it's it's been fun um but let's get right into it um mls playoffs you the mls man you got to give me the rundown congratulations to myself because i got the prediction right uh nycfc versus portland in the final it happened uh portland beat rsl kind of expected portland was a better team and then nycfc was playing um Philly, but Philly had this issue with COVID. They had like 11 players on the COVID protocol, so a lot of starters, even the bench players, couldn't even like play really. So they had to play sort of kind of like the striking stringers in a sense, and a few of the starters. And obviously, that's gonna affect the game. It was still a good battle. Uh, it went to like the 90th minute for um, uh, NYCC to score their final goal, even though it came from a mistake from uh, from Philly. But yeah, so we have NYCFC and um, Philly in the final. I mean, NYCFC in Portland in the final, and I believe New York, New York wins it, just because um, New York was probably. I think I'll give the edge to New York, even though the game is in Portland, so you never know. But I think I'm gonna give the New York City FC the, the edge. I I'm gonna be rooting for Portland because I don't like New York City FC. So, <laughs> what do you not like New York City FC? That's Man City MLS. Come on, no? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're right, but Portland is not a bad team to root for. They're like uh, Portland is a playoff team like almost every year, so it's a good, it's a good shout. I thought New England was gonna take it. To be honest, I thought New England would be the strongest team this year. But not gonna lie, that was probably the best game though. The New England US, New York City FC. That was the best game of the whole the whole playoffs. I mean, it was close, but it just I think it just came to like a little more. Well, I mean, it wasn't. It was. It went to PK. So. Things happen, but um, I just it was just a, a good game overall. It just came get down to quality and stuff. So that, to me, it was my favorite game of the whole the whole uh, the whole playoffs. I thought New I thought New England was going to take it once again to PK just because Matt Turner is a better PK keeper than Johnson, but uh, Johnson came through. So nah, I'm I mean I, I agree with you. Uh, New York City, New York, New England wasn't a bad shout. They're the best team in the league this year. So. They'll come back though. Um, talking about best game in the league, we got we got we had Arsenal against United this weekend, or actually during the week, um, and that went amazingly. <laughs> you watched the game, right? Of course, I watched the game. Yeah. So how do you feel? I didn't. I I actually had an exam during the during the game, so I was only able to watch. I think the last half an hour. Um, but I saw you texting me some stuff. Uh, I saw the highlights of the game earlier. Uh, I saw the Fred, the Fred. I mean, the first goal you guys got. I mean, come on now. I don't know what was happening there, to be honest. Fred, Fred, like, steps on De Gea. He thinks it's somebody else, so he goes down. And then the play just continues for, like, th- that was a long time. He was down for a long time. Like, it wasn't like he went down and the goal came right in after, right? Like, yeah, but I don't think the, the refs, I mean, the refs didn't see him, and then Finwood didn't see him either. So they just played. 
I mean, as soon as it happens, as, literally as soon as it happens, Fred is like raising his hand, like calling for the ref. And then 30 seconds go by almost that like he's still doing that. And then like the, the sideline ref definitely saw it. They didn't say anything. It's tough because, I mean, the sideline ref can't stop the game, really. No, but he can advise the, the other ref like, hey, this player is down, turn around. But... But he can't. But in in the heat in the moment, it's too quick of a of a reaction to like, oh blow. Oh, notice my assistant ref blow the whistle and then not see you Smith at the same time as he blows the whistle. The timing is too like quick. I don't think that he had the time to react for it. That's why it was kind of like tough for the on the ref. But I mean, in, in the end, of the, in the end, it, it was Fred that did like foul De Gea technically. So that doesn't really affect Arsenal. We're just playing. No, for sure. But like, if see if the ref had turned around. When it when it happened, they would have he would have blown the whistle. Like there was nothing. It was a corner. It was after a corner. The ball got like cleared out somewhat. Like I don't think he would have blown the whistle if he saw it. Yeah, I just think it's unfortunate overall uh, from from a day perspective because I feel like yeah, it's he got hard done by his own guy, but it wasn't like Fred did that on purpose too. So it was just a bad circumstances overall. Which is we just took we just took our chance really. It was a good volley. It was on target. Yeah, I mean, it was on target. That's not a goal if the goalie is standing up facing the ball. Well, we, yeah, well, we don't know that either, but, you know. I mean, he definitely saw when he was shooting that the goalie wasn't there. Yeah, he probably he probably would have saved it. We don't know, but I guess we'll never know because. <laughs> but that was like a free, that was like a free 1-0. Yeah, but I mean, we, we, I think we got a good start to the game. Like, we earned our, we well. We earned it. I think we earned the the lead, even though it came off of a cheesy goal. I still think that we had an overall good start in the game. And then after that, we sort of like let down a bit. Overall, I mean, if we're going to talk individuals, I thought Martinelli was our best player from an Arsenal perspective. Um, he was our biggest threat. Um, I thought Partey was a bit underperforming. I I felt to me like it feels like Partey looks better when he plays with Jaka than when he does with like um, really, really anybody else. Like. Not not saying that El Nani is like an issue to it, but I think it's mostly a him. He doesn't really look good when he plays with El Nani or like he does look good with uh, Lokonga, but Lokonga hasn't played much recently. And uh, I wonder. I mean, Zaka Zaka has been injured, no? Like. Yeah, but I think he's coming back soon. I should think he's in the lineup for today's game against Everton. I don't know. Like, do you think he? I mean, I kind of like uh, I kind of like Partey and Lukanga. I don't know. I liked it too, but I feel like it lacks. I mean, I think in the the team doesn't have like leadership with with Partey. Like, Partey is not known as like being the vocal leader in the team or on the pitch. I feel like Jaka gets that role more so than. I mean, he is. He's the captain, right? Partey. Yeah. So I feel like with with Jaka, you get a, a more you get a leader. You get a leadership on the pitch and you kind of need that especially against a team like in a game like this we could have used Jaka a lot because I feel like we there's, there's some point especially after conceding that leave giving that I first went in the first goal where we kind of like go on the tempo and like the intensity kind of drop but yeah overall I thought Partey will probably look better once Jaka comes back so well that remains to be seen I mean you guys are playing so do you want to see something weird so we're recording this on uh, December 6th Monday around 3 p.m. So the Arsenal-Everton game just started. I'll give you the, We won't talk about the Arsenal-Everton game, but I just wanted to give you the lineup. Ramsdale in net, Gabriel White at the back, Tomiyasu and Tierney. Then you got Jaka and Partey. 
uh, as a holding in a 4-2-3-1. Then you have, yeah, you have Odegaard at the at the ten, Saka at the on the right, and Martinelli on the left with Lacazette up top, and Lacazette is captain. I mean, yeah, he's been that's a well, captain. I don't know why. Yeah, that I would, I would expect Xhaka to be captain. That's been interesting. So it just goes against like what we've just said. Xhaka was always the captain, right? Yeah, Xhaka is supposed to be captain. I don't know what Lacazette is. I don't know. I mean, his he doesn't really have like there's an issue with his like attitude and stuff. Like his like his personality a little bit. His character is a little bit too uh, aggressive and and. Uh, dangerous for a captain, I guess. Maybe I don't know. But has like has it ever been captain? I've I've seen him be captain before, but I mean it's. I mean because he's like the oldest player on the team, right? That's not like all your other team is very young. Yeah, like if I look at a team other than like Jacques and Thomas, I think like has the most experience in the team, so I could see why he would be captain. But I would I'm surprised that Jacques isn't. Maybe because he just came back. Because like, you can't give it to anybody else. Like, you can't give it to to any of the center backs. They just got. To the team, you can't give it to their to their fullbacks. You can't give it to Ramsdale. You can't give it to Partey. You can't give it to Odegaard. You could give it to Partey. You could give it to Partey. You can you you only have two options, two three options. You can't give it to Partey. Man hasn't like didn't play for the longest time, and also he like he's a new signing almost too. Like, yeah, you only have really only have two options. Like Lacazette or Jaka. It's like it's like Jaka or Lacazette, and Lacazette only because he has like the tenure of the team. Is. Like we gave captain, we gave captain to Maguire when we signed him, and I thought that was like a s- terrible decision. They just, United just wanted to have the, the, the classic stereotype, uh, strong defender, captain of the team type of thing, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, anyways, can I? I gotta mention Aubameyang real quick because, uh, like you said, he's not in the lineup today, and I think there's obviously there's Aubameyang is completely washed. He's done. I don't know if he's watched, but he's definitely absent right now. He looked absent on the pitch against United, and he looked, he's definitely out of form. So for him to be on the bench makes total sense to me. I don't see why he should be starting. I think he deserves to be on the bench. I don't, I don't even know if one of these bottom 10 teams in the Premier League will take him. Is he playing at Brentford? No. Is he playing for Palace? No. Well, Palace could use some goals, to be fair. You're taking Aubameyang right now over Benteke. I mean, Benteke is old, but like he's also he also misses the most the biggest sitters. <laughs> okay, Benteke maybe is not a good good example, but but like Aubameyang is just he's not he's a shadow of himself. Like he's a name at this point. He's not a anything else. I'm telling you, we we may have regretted giving him the contract and not signing him last year, but he is... I, th- I thought signing him for the contract was the right decision, but it doesn't seem like it's working out right now, so it's... I just think a spell on the bench could be useful. We'll see what happens. It kind of looks like he just doesn't want to be there anymore, to be honest. Like, he's not interested. I mean, we'll see what happens today. Maybe he comes on at some point during the game, but um, I think for it's fair to him for him to start on the bench. It makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, besides... Besides that, like Odegaard, I think he's. I like Odegaard a lot. He played well. He came in the game, did did his thing. Did not had some a couple of good. Yeah, he had the bad mistake. That's the issue. It's like he had overall good game, but then he makes an unnecessary mistake that cost us really like the game. But like these are the games that Arsenal need to win to be top four, like to deserve to be top four. Like United have been in in the worst form the club has seen in years for the last two months. We're losing against. We lost four one against Watford. 
you guys, we, we don't even have a manager anymore. Like we have Michael Carrick, who, who knew that at the end of the game, he wasn't even going to be at the club anymore. Like, he's there, Michael Carrick was there for two games. And we managed to, to beat you guys, who are having been in a good run. And, we'll be, and after giving up a free goal to start as well, like, free goal up 1-0, the team with no manager. Yeah, I wouldn't say given a free goal, but, you know. Okay, listen, it was, a, it was basically a free goal. Basically a free goal, 1-0 against the United team that's been in the worst form for the last two months. That just lost 4-1 against Watford. It's like their manager. It doesn't even have any manager yet. And you choke. Well, you do. Now we do. At the time, we couldn't. Your manager was literally at the stadium. Okay, was he coaching? He hadn't even practiced the squad yet. Come on. Was he not? Was he not there? Did you not have? Was he not signed? Was he not? Was he not official? He, he was sitting in the stands. He doesn't. Okay, are you? You're not arguing this right now. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you said you didn't have a manager, as if like he wasn't sitting in the stands. We yeah, we had Michael Carrick managing the team from the sideline. Come on now. Yeah, so you did have a manager. Okay, Michael Carrick is he the manager? Is he even at the club now? No, he literally won against Arsenal. It was like, ciao, bye, I'm leaving. Yeah, because you signed. Well, I mean, that's a boss move to be honest. But whether we won or lost or drew, he had already decided that was going to be his last game. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. I thought it was going to stay longer, especially uh, knowing that Ragnick was going to show up. I thought it was going to be like an assistant coach. You know, they got this guy from uh, the former coach of uh, the Red Bulls as a manager, assistant manager, Chris Armas. That was I was surprised by that. They also they also signed um, a sports psychologist as well, which is nice. And uh, apparently uh, Jesse March is a candidate to be on the, on the coaching staff as well now that he got fired. Yeah, apparently. Really? Yeah. I, I could see that. Like to be involved in the club uh, in some way. I think it would be good for him like to take that kind of role after Red Bulls and kind of like have like a fresh start a little bit. Yeah, I think it was tough for him to get sacked by, Red, by Leipzig, but I think from what I from what I've heard, like he lost the locker room a while ago. So once you lose the rock the locker room, it's it's so tough to get it back. It's so tough. Because to lose it in the first place, you gotta be a certain kind of way. And when your players don't trust you or don't respect you, you you're not gonna win games and you're not gonna get a good performance out of anybody because they don't want to play for you. Yeah. It's weird because dad his system worked exact very well with Salzburg, and uh, you would expect it to translate to to Leipzig and do the same thing, but it's all it's not the same players, so it doesn't really fit them. I guess it didn't really fit them overall, even though a lot of them came from from Salzburg. So you'd you'd think that it would work out, but that's that is that's tough. that's how football is sometimes, I guess. But what what's your takeaway from the game? Because I mean, you, this is a disappointing result, right? Like I had no expectations. This was the easiest United have been to face in a while. I wouldn't say it was the easiest United to face. I'll say this: when was when was when has it been easier to face? Watford just beat us four one, bro. Come on now. To be fair, we haven't lost to you guys in the last three years. We haven't. So, and 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 our teams have been better in the past three years than they have now. Uh, did your team have Ronaldo? Uh, yes. Did our team have Pogba? No. Did our team have Varane? No. Did your team have Ronaldo? No. Ronaldo's the only reason why you won the game, if we're being honest. Oof. All right. I mean, Sancho had a game. <laughs> I mean, I have the bragging rights. United, United, United with Michael Carrick beat Arteta, who was on a glorious win streak after beating Norwich and uh, 
Newcastle. Uh, stop, 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 stop. Did you guys beat Watford? No, we didn't exactly, but we beat you guys. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But I mean, that's probably be pretty disappointing. You get, you lose to Everton today, and then what's happening? Is it Arteta out again? We're not losing to Everton. I don't think we're losing to Everton today. Everton are, were uh, 18th or, or 16th place before this game. So let's see how that goes. I'd be worried to play West Ham right now, but you said what they did to Chelsea? I mean, West Ham is, is a top four team for a reason. And this is two years in a row they're showing their business. I just want I have a question for you. Did you see the goals that West Chelsea conceded, though? No, which one? The third goal that was basically a cross that got deflected, and then Menji tried to react, but he essentially kind of pushed it in the net. And because he, he was kind of like leaning towards his left, and then he had to re, re like turn it, well, switch and go back to his right. And it was, I, I, would, I, would, I would want you to watch that and see what, what you think, because I feel like a lot of blame is going to be put on Menji for, for this game. But I Menji is like an amazing player, honestly. He's a, he's a top top keeper in the league. He, he he didn't have a great game. I saw a couple of the, the highlights, but. I mean, the second goal is like a pass from Jorginho and like he puts him in trouble. Maybe he could clear it first time, but I still feel like. You mean Jorginho, the third Oh, don't go! Don't go back! Don't go back! Don't go back! Don't go back there! Don't go back there! It's move. We moved on. We moved. What a we moved. joke! What a what a joke! But yeah, I mean, Chelsea—they've they're kind of like uh, struggling right now, actually. I mean, it's only lost in like a while. I mean, I don't remember Chelsea losing in a minute. I know, but like Lukaku has been in bad form too. I know he's coming back from injury and stuff, but um, he's been uh, uh, not impressive. I will say. He came off the bench and he didn't really do anything either. Yeah, he wasn't. I mean, I like you said, he's just coming back from back from injury, so I don't expect him to be like a hundred percent right away. I think after Christmas or during the Christmas break, we'll see how what happens. He should be somewhat in a better form. I mean, strikers, strikers form it come in, comes and goes. Like nobody is always a hundred percent effective the whole year. It's not unless you're you're like truly elite. But the strikers are always gonna have a dip in form at some point. Like it's gonna happen. I mean, unless you're like Robin Van Persie coming to United from Arsenal and winning the league. You'd have to say that. That's actually like irrelevant to the conversation. It's completely not relevant. You just wanted to mention Van Persie. That's completely relevant. Men signed signed to United, won the league, won the the golden boot. Van Persie is one of my my favorite players of all time. Top. United. Yo, United fans are the worst, though. (laughs) You like United friends are the worst. <laughs> the worst on Twitter. It's, who's the worst fans on Twitter? That could be that should be that should have been the question of the week. Is it United or Madrid's? I mean, Madrid fans just think they're entitled to everything. Um, entitled to everybody's star players. Did you did you see what the, the reaction after the Sociedad game? They were trying to give Vinny the ballon d'or for next year. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm just making that oh, up. Okay, they didn't okay. say that, but they, I think they're definitely they're definitely thinking about the Champions League. I think they they think they have it in the bag. Um, I mean, it's definitely not in the bag. I think Liverpool got to be the favorites, right? I mean, one of one of the favorites. I think. I mean, they're. I mean, they got a top three player in the world in Salah, and they have the squad that they've had since Klopp, which is a really strong uh, squad with depth. So, I mean, they're they're one of the favorites right now. It's them or Man City or PSG, and PSG don't look convincing, and and Man City also have off days. Liverpool with the best consistent team. I mean, Madrid's going to be up there too, but I don't think Madrid has the. Madrid has definitely, definitely a better chance of winning La Liga than the the Champions League. 
I know I said Atletico was going to win it, but after seeing a, a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, you were gloriously wrong because they're not even going to qualify. I, well, from, from the Champions League, I think they'll qualify, but they'll, I don't think they'll... No, but I'm saying like they'll qualify for next year's Champions League. Sure, but you said this year. Yeah, this year. No, I mean like this year in the league, La Liga, I thought they were going to win it, but they're not going to win it. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's completely yeah. wrong, too. Like Madrid is, especially with the Madrid that I saw this weekend against Sociedad, like, nah, this Madrid is in complete control of the situation. I mean, even Betis keep playing, like, really good. And I don't know, this, this is their year to have, like, a top four season. Yeah. I just think that Madrid has the experience that none of those teams have. They do. They have the experience and the talent. And their younger players are making an impact. And, like, when you have that happen to a squad that already has, like, veteran depth that are still all-stars, like, you're gonna you're one you want the team. Like if if you look at Madrid's Madrid's team this weekend from the so I mean so that was actually gonna be a big game because they're doing they're one of the best teams this year, right? But like Vinicius played well, Militao was a rock in defense. Even Luka Jovic that like I know Benzema got injured, and that's gonna be a big issue for the next few weeks. But Benzema got injured, Jovic came in, played well, did his thing, had an assist, a goal. Like he might even be somewhat of an informed player right now. And that's and that's going to be interesting to see because a lot of people were criticizing Jovic when he came, well, when he wasn't performing well. But I think he could be having his time, well, not to, like, be better than Benzema or anything, but, like... He can make an impact. He can make an impact, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because his start to Madrid was, was terrible. Um, but I think Madrid kind of, like... After this weekend, it's kind of established that they're the favorites, and if they don't win the league, they they basically choke. It's Madrid's league to lose at this point, I think. Pretty much, but I want to ask you, like, on I mean, we talked about West Ham and how good they've been. Like, is David Moyes in consideration for Coach of the Year? Like, I don't think he. I think he has to be right with how well he's done with this squad. Like, compared to the other top four teams that have like, uh, double or triple the amount of of transfer budget that that this team has. Like, he's done wonders. Well, let's let's also not pretend like West Ham is like a cheap club. Like they have money too. No, they're not. Obviously, they're not. But I mean, would if you look at the squad on paper for West Ham, you look at them like for like Man City or Liverpool or Chelsea or United, like it's yeah, it's, it's a caliber. different caliber. Yeah, City and Chelsea are yeah, it's a different caliber. I'd say David Moyes is a coach to the season for like half the season so far, and if he if if he keeps it up, he's gonna be in the conversation. I think he's gonna be. I think he'll be it if it comes. Like, if West Ham is in the top six by the end of this year, like, yeah, I think he deserves it. They're top three right now. It's crazy. They're top three right now, but, like, assuming that, like, there's going to be a dip in form somewhat and then they come back, they bounce back and stuff. If they can finish in the top four, man, even the top six? Top five. Top, if they finish in the top five, he is. Yeah. If they get a Euro, If they get a European football spot, like, that's huge. Absolutely, yeah. Then he is a coach of the year. Absolutely. I agree. And what about Ragnick? Like, uh, not, not for coach of the year, obviously, but, like, uh, I mean, we've had one game. We, we had the game against uh, the, that we just played against Palace. And, I mean, off the bat, I know you didn't get the chance to watch a full game, but off the bat, um, you can see United kind of look more organized and prepared um, than we have any, at any time this year. Like, we were pressing together we were pressing with with purpose um and it looked like we just had a game plan like we had this was like the most possession we've had in so long we've had so many chances to score and we, we looked dangerous with the ball and like that we knew what we were doing and he's had one practice with this with the squad so like i don't, I don't want to touch too much on it but 
I feel like it's it's nice to see. Um, it's it's enough to be optimistic about the future of the club under his reign. It's an encouraging start. For sure. I mean, we we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. It was a one-zero win against against Palace, right? But he he's been here for he had one practice with the squad before the game. So I think uh, as he gets his bearings with the club, and I mean Fred, Fred, these last couple of games has been good. Um, I I give Fred his credit, the United fans. Give Fred his Fred his credit. Fred deserves credit when he gives when he plays well. Yeah, because because Fred and McTominay have just been extremely underwhelming, and they've been like that is the duo that that um describes Ole's tenure at the club for the last three years. It's always been McTominay and Fred. That's not fair too for those two, but. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if 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 Rangnick is able to to completely change how we view them, then um, good for him. And I will support. Uh, I'm going to support and praise the players that deserve it. And Fred has like not deserved it for a long time. But if he's giving us performances like he gave against Palace, then I'll take it. Um, and and the game and the game against Arsenal as well. He had a good second half. Yeah, but that's Arsenal. <laughs> um, we have some uh, Champions League matchups. Coming up. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, the Betis. The the Betis win against Barca because it was Javi's first loss. I mean, sixteen points behind Real Madrid. Uh, I mean, they they're gonna fight for top four, but other than that, no, no, no they, yeah. Other than that, yeah, that's a, it's a, it's that that's really it. I don't want. I don't. I don't know if you wanted to talk about their Mourinho comments or do you want to move that away? Yeah, you can mention them if you want. I don't know what it, I think you mentioned that like uh, journalists as a. Uh, Basically, journalists are broke because, y'all, we were paid way more than you. No, he basically said that being a journalist is easy and being a manager is very hard. And if journalists knew how to be managers, they would be managers. And managers get paid the big bucks for a reason, basically, is what you were saying. It's a reasonable comment, but it's a harsh thing to say. I mean, he was. it's a comment you make out of, like, a passive-aggressive intention because somebody's bothering you or ticking you off. And P- the, the press knows how to get the best of Mourinho. Like, they know what to say. They know how, how he'll react. Especially when things are not going well. And you also got beat. Yeah, especially when you get beat by Inter 3-0 at home. I mean, it's Inter, but yeah. But yeah. It's, it's Inter is like second. Uh, no, I think Inter is, is third right now. Because uh, Milan is first. Napoli, even though Napoli lost to Atalanta this weekend. In a good game, by the way. Napoli second now. I mean, Roma is currently in, in seventh. But um, the gap between top four and the rest is really big right now. Yeah. I wonder if Mourinho is going to end the year. I think he's going to end the year for sure. Oh, we got to mention the Bayern. The, we don't mention Bundesliga a lot. We'll just real quick. We got to mention the classic here because Bayern beat Dortmund and then there was controversy about that Vargal. And apparently the, the ref has like issues with match fixing and he was still kind of able to manage this game like this. I mean, they so. gave a penalty and they gave uh, Marco Rosa a red card. But I, I thought it was harsh too because when I looked at the VAR decision, like when I, when I looked at the call as well, like almost didn't look like it was intentional. So I, I thought it was harsh. Um, it was very harsh. I don't know how exactly. I don't know how uh, a referee that's been convicted of match fixing in the past is allowed to referee at all in the future. Um, but that's, that's, I thought it was harsh, but yeah, Barnes still, Barnes still won. Um, I mean, most definitely is they're the best team in, in, in the league. Um, let's touch on these Champions League matchups. I mean, we won't go too much in depth, but cause like most of these, uh, most of his, uh, of these games, these groups are already decided, but there's a couple close ones. I mean, Leipzig and City will be interesting. 
But I mean, it looks like City's getting first, but Leipzig can still do something if they win. They could finish probably Europa League for sure. Yeah, um, Milan and Liverpool. That's like Milan are top of the Serie A, but they have not done anything in the Champions League. I think Milan can get a win. I think I, I would expect Milan to have a. Yes, I don't expect. I think Milan can get a result. That's what I say. But they need. I think they need a win to make it to the second place. So that's gonna be tough against a good Liverpool team. I don't think. I don't even think Liverpool's gonna put the whole their the whole starters there because they don't really need to. Um, yeah, they won't need to. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that because Milan, if Milan can get a win, they'll qualify. And these other two teams that are in the league are also fighting for, to qualify, like uh, Porto and uh, uh, was it Porto and I forget who. Atletico. Atletico, yeah. Um, Madrid and Inter. I think uh, Madrid should take it, but that's gonna be close as well. It's gonna be close. Two informed teams. Uh, I, I I got Madrid as well, but yeah, it's gonna be a close one. Bayern and Barca. Bar- I mean, Bar- Bayern should should slap them around a little bit. Um, Barca need to win to, to qualify, but Bayern have already qualified. They're, they're the best team in the Champions League in group stage this year um, all around. Um, I wonder if they'll play like their backups and give Barca a chance to win. I mean, we'll see. But, but that's that's not Bayern's uh, motto, though. Bayern will go hard. Like I rarely see them like play their complete bench and, and not really give a shit about a game. Um, they're going to go for it. If the game... If the game gets to like two, three, four, then you'll see the changes. Yeah. But I don't think they'll start with the changes. Um, and Lille and Wolfsburg, I mean, Wolfsburg would need a miracle to qualify at this point, but this whole group is, is really tight. That should be the group. That actually is the actual group of debt, if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, we knew that the, the, all four teams were, were, strong, were like the same kind of level exactly going into it. I mean, we've seen other groups that we deemed group of death be like completely lopsided. But this will be interesting. I think Lille will take it, but um, Wolfsburg needs Jonathan to- David. Jonathan David is on the roll right now. Oh, yeah, he is, which is lovely to see. Um, and I think the end of the week, question of the week, we won't go too much in depth on it, but top three midfielder of the decade? I think there's, there's a lot of names to put from decade, meaning like 2010 to 2020. Um, I mean, there's the big names that come to mind, right? Like the the Iniestas, the Chavis, the Busquets, um, David Silva, Tony Cruz, Modric. Who do you think has the be- the biggest claim for number one? Anyways, I told you already. I think it's Tony Cruz. I mean, I would tend to agree with you just because I feel like he's had the longest longevity of the decade in terms of like quality. Iniesta, I think I think Iniesta would be my pick, but if not Iniesta, it'd be Tony Cruz because Iniesta. I mean. I looked this up before we started recording, but he was in he was at Barca until 2018. His format obviously dipped because he he's I think 37 now. So three years ago, he was 34. Like that's old for uh, a midfielder. Um, but Iniesta, at when Barca was at their peak, like he was the reason why they were winning. So, well, one of the reasons. One of the reasons, obviously, that whole team was was amazing. I mean, you can always mention, like, the Iniesta, Xavi. But I think Busquets doesn't get mentioned enough, but Busquets is up there as well. No, he's like, he's like the silent defender of that of that Barca, Barca dynasty, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you mentioned Modric. Uh, one name that – I think one name that we haven't mentioned many times is Yaya Toure. Probably could be yeah, up there. Yeah, but he, like, stopped around, like, 2015, was it, right? So, like, you're only playing half a decade. You can't really be the midfielder of the decade. Yeah, but he's one of the greatest. If I think in the in the prem, he's one of the greatest. He was, I, he he that one season I think it was 2014, 2015, That season he was 
the best player in the league. 20 goals? Yeah, that was ridiculous. 20 goals as a midfield is ridiculous. Probably, I mean, if we're talking like African players in the league, he's probably like top five, in my opinion. Uh, most definitely. Give me, give me a spontaneous question. Who do you think would, is in the conversation for best midfielder of this next decade? I know there's a lot of players that we, we're not talking about right now that we'll eventually be talking about in a couple of years. But from like if we did, let's say we did a, from 2015 to 2025, who do you think is in that convo? Um, I think Kimmich. Kimmich, Conte, Verratti. Conte is probably in this conversation right now. Conte is already in this conversation, but he really came up with the, the Leicester, right? So I think if we give him another five years at the top. Even though he's already in his 30s and he's probably barely, he's still doing what he does. I think Bellingham is going to be in the conversation eventually. Most definitely. Bellingham. Um, uh, is Foden, I don't know if Foden could be considered a center mid, but he's, he's, he's more like a, he's more like a, like a, a winger, I would say, no? Like, he can play the 10. Yeah. But he plays on the wing, too, and, like, a false nine, too, so. He could be up there. Uh, maybe Jordan Henderson could be in that, the one in the 2010 conversation. Nah. Henderson can't? I mean, he's he's the type of guy that's got the accolades, but I never thought he was, like, a top-tier talent. That's just me, though. I think it's just abilities. You don't, you don't rate him that high. Yeah. I mean... I think in terms of like leadership and everything, he's got the the intangibles. But I think when it comes to like being like a talented midfielder that has like elite passing, elite vision, elite everything, like I don't consider him in that tier of players. He definitely has high accuracy, but what high accuracy when it comes to passing. I think Casemiro would be in that conversation from 2015-2025. Casemiro. For me, it's like Casemiro, Verratti, Kimmich. I think Kimmich might end up being it. Where would you put Pogba? Do you even put him there? I mean, Pogba is like unrealized talent at this point. He spent too many years at United, not the not excelling for him to be in that conversation. But the talent is unmatched. The talent is there. Pogba's talent is world class. We all, we all, we all do this. This is not news to anybody. But he's had injuries. He's had bad spells at United under managers, and it really feels like we never really got the best of Pogba for any for a long term period at United. But when he we, he is in, in form for like a couple months, he's truly elite. And we've seen him for France. He's elite. He's he's the, he's a top three midfielder in the world in, on his day, like when he's when he's healthy and used to his potential. But it's hard to get him there. So many names, so many names to go through. So many names. I mean, football is amazing. That's why we love it. But I think that's it for this week, right? I think it's a good wrap. Good way to end this. I think that's a wrap. Episode fifty-one in the books. If you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Thanks for rocking with us, and I guess we're gonna, we hope to see you next week. Have a good week. Have a good week, everybody. Peace.